the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn, and... Lisa Jernigan. Hi, Lisa. How are you? We're doing good today. I, I think it's another good day, I think. It is another good day. We've got spring in our step. We've got spring in the air. We have an amazing guest in our studio. What more could we want? What more could we want? <laughs> <laughs> so before we explain, I, before I, I introduce our mystery guests, which are gonna, which we're really excited about, um, the, this show exists to be a bridge to find the bridge builders uh, be, who are helping us grow in peace and compassion. Right, and that are the practitioners, the and that's pr- what you are very passionate about. I am with Amplify Peace. It's just like, how do we have these conversations yeah. where we don't always have to agree? Right. But we, have, but we need to have conversations. Yeah. yeah. And like sometimes I, I, like, I, I was just disagreeing with some, I don't agree what they're putting on their pizza. Exactly. Like I have issues with that. <laughs> like how, how can you put a little piece of fit? Like a I know. No, that's not good. Anchovy that's fit. Not that's good. just not right. It's not right. That's right. <laughs> um, but this is, we're going so much bigger than pizza right now. We're going, like, glo- we're going global today. We We've been in the middle of our series on war and, war and peacemaking, and today we have Lorenzo Valenzuela here. Welcome, Lorenzo. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's, it is a, just an honor. Lorenzo's kind of a big deal. He is a big deal. What do you know about Lorenzo? I know that he has a lot of titles and a lot of medals that I don't even understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this bio is, is, would just, is just amazing. So Lorenzo has served 30 years in the military, including working with, um, you were stationed in Iraq. That's correct. And in Afghanistan. And you're, you, you retired as a colonel? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So colonel, can, do you, they, people still call you colonel? They do, but uh, Lorenzo's just great. Lorenzo's just great. Uh, you know, Afghanistan, uh, worked with NATO That's as correct. well. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, and also your local guy. You're here in Phoenix, living living Goodyear. Born and raised in Phoenix, living Goodyear. And so, so in addition, so this look at this. Okay, uh, the Legion of Merit, the Bronze Star Medal, and the Purple Heart, Combat Action Badge. Unbelievable. I mean, Ranger Tab, Air Assault Badge, Parachute. I mean, just the medals and, and background of what you've been able to accomplish is fantastic. And the stories behind all but of those. Th- that's the thing. This is this is those are reflections of a deeper level of commitment to peacemaking and a, and a view that he has that we're really excited to kind of get into about what it means to live out your faith and live and as in the military in these hot zones where our soldiers have gone. So let's just, let's just go for this. Let's this dive is, in. Let's dive in. So yeah, go, go ahead. 
Well, I know, Lorenzo, you were talking, we were just chatting before the show a little bit about, um, you made a statement that 99% of people join in the military to be a peacemaker. That's my estimate. When you see these young men and women out there doing the Lord's work, um, they volunteer. It's an entirely volunteer force. Uh, They understand what they're getting into. They wear the uniform. They wear the flag on their shoulder. um, And they know they're going to be deployed to foreign lands. Um, and they go with the purpose of, of making peace. Um, none go with the purpose of, of engaging in war. They go with the purpose of helping the folks that are in that country uh, and really doing the Lord's work. Um, and you see some amazing things out there, um, whether it's rescuing children, um, having children passed over a fence, as we saw in Afghanistan, um, rescuing dogs in irrigation mm-hmm. ditches. Mm-hmm. Um, Americans love to rescue things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what, uh, watching them uh, engage in, in what is a very spiritual endeavor, um, and you wouldn't think that uh, deploying to a war zone, um, but I, I can honestly say 99% went there. 1% might have gone for the excitement. The other 99% went to do the Lord's work mm. and did exceptional things. So this is really fascinating, and I, I think we often think, uh, well, I had friends at Luke Air Force Base and when I, for, for a number of years, we're pretty close. And they often talked about this idea of a warrior mentality. You're trained to be a warrior. So how does that fit in with the training and understanding of being a warrior with this idea of being a peacemaker? Tell me about that. So what you find is um, the values that, that we hold dear, uh, mainly spiritual values, uh, to one another, uh, to a higher calling, um, and again, just doing the Lord's work, drive one to be a, a good warrior. Um, you can see uh, the metaphors often used in religion um, to be a, a warrior for the Lord, uh, a warrior for Christ, and, and all of those things. Uh, and it's similar that way. So uh, you'll see folks with uh, St. Michael medals. You'll see mm-hmm. folks with uh, religious crosses on their uniforms mm-hmm. and those types of things because they know they're going out to do um, what they hold dear to their values. Uh, in this case, helping helping those who may not have what we enjoy here in this country. So let's get into some stories. Some like what is? Let's flush that out a little bit. Like you're in southern Iraq. Mm-hmm. You you know you're what role were you holding in southern Iraq? So basically, in Iraq, I was uh, the landowner. The landowner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I had the provinces south of Baghdad. The maneuver forces would move through, or they would hold a, a position in in those provinces, and I would coordinate between the governors, um, between the Iraqi government, uh, the Iraqi forces in the area, and our forces to make sure everybody was was doing well. Um, and it was fascinating to watch the transition from some of the folks going from warrior to peacemaker. Mm. Um, so they would come in, and, and they would be prepared. A new unit would arrive um, and be uncertain about what they were to do. These are the American That's soldiers correct. coming over, or the, yeah, the Western, right. And I would come to them and say, okay, the first thing you need to do is you need to have a, a, a sheep dip. So we're going to bring all the tribal sheep in, and you're going to dip them in a uh, something that removes the, the ticks and the rest of it, uh, and then they're going to go on their way. And then you're going to establish a farmer's co-op where you're going to have grain mm. and seed and, and, and tractors, and they're going to come check. Yeah. And they look at you like you have a wristwatch on your head. Um, because <laughs> this is not what we were trained to do, no, right? That's right. <laughs> but, it, but they quickly understand that the fastest way to avoid a conflict is to create peace. Mm. Um, and the fastest way to create peace is to 
establish a brotherhood with the folks that are living in that area. And so they would um, quickly learn that learning how to dip sheep, learning how to harvest dates and, and spray dates and all the rest of it. Uh, this is, these essential. are common daily occurrences in the people that they're spending time with in southern, in southern Iraq. Yes. Absolutely. And so yeah. they, they, they understood that the non-kinetic was far more valuable than the kinetic. Mm. There was kinetics that happened. Um, as you saw in my, my bio, I got shot three times. Mm. Um, <laughs> didn't enjoy any of the three. No, um, no. But the reality was that the kinetics were probably a byproduct of the fact that we were successful in the non-kinetic arena. So somebody didn't want us building schools. Somebody okay. didn't want us dipping sheep or establishing a farmer's co-op. The greater the chaos, the happier the uh, hmm. folks that were not peacemakers uh, were. Well, and, you know, you're talking about some dynamics here that it, in peacemaking is how do we bring two different sides together to understand and focus on our commonality mm-hmm. instead of going, okay, you're this, I'm this, but where's the space in between where we can really connect and like whatever, you know, it's the sheep dipping and all that kind of stuff, but they see the human side. Absolutely. And that's what we got to do. It's like, mm-hmm. how do I see beyond the uniform? Mm-hmm. Cause that's intimidating if oh, sure. you're living in Iraq, but also for the, the soldiers to see beyond their dress, to see the human on the other side. So when you're working together, what's a beautiful thing to bring them together to work together because then you see the humanity in each other. Absolutely. It was um, – and as we as we discussed before, um, the quickest way to peacemaking is to establish a, a baseline of truth. And so uh, having the commanders come in and, and define what they say peace looks like. Um, in that arena, peace looked like no IEDs on the roads. Peace looked like no none of their soldiers being shot. Um, and having the locals come in and establish what peace looked like for them – in that case, might have been dipping sheep. It might have been harvesting dates, which is how they make their livelihood. Um, it might have been building a school where a school didn't exist, and all the kids were afraid to go to a school. Mm. Um, and so everyone breaks their definition of peace to the table, and the locals say, okay, we will help you stay safe, and you can help us establish a farmer's co-op. Mm. Uh, and everybody kind of nods mm. north and south and doesn't really – they're looking past the western dress – um, to a situation of trust. And building that trust is where you establish peace. Absolutely. You know, a common theme that we have on the show um, in, in, in establishing that common place is, is eating together. Mm-hmm. Did, that act, did that happen? You're sitting with shakes? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. I, I can assure you that uh, on more than one occasion, I went to the medical facility to uh, find something for my stomach after having, <laughs> That's right. after having had one of the local meals. But yeah. that was that was a frequent occurrence. Yeah. Uh, the sheikhs, uh, they, they have a tribal system both in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so you would have – you would eat with the sheikhs um, yeah. and they would have a place of honor because you're building that trust. Um, and you would – once you've eaten with someone, you've established that uh, that bond. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a very tangible bond. Mm. So in the event that something did happen – uh, if someone had planted an IED, you would go to the person, the sheikh, and say this happened on your road and he would be obligated to make sure it didn't happen again. Mm. Um, and there wasn't – it wasn't a threatening environment so much as a collaborative environment. Mm. Um, and that's where you achieve that peace. Wow. Uh, that's a good point, collaborative, mm-hmm. because we don't know how to really come together. And one of the ways, which you mentioned earlier, is by asking somebody a question, like, what does peace mean to you? Absolutely. And so then you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. What, what we a lot of times do is I'm going I'm to answer for you. I'm going to tell you what peace means to you. Mm-hmm. And we go in assuming 
without even asking somebody. And that and asking a question is so honoring of them too. Mm-hmm. But then it creates clarity. Sure. And it was uh, it was a very successful endeavor that was passed from commander to commander. And so as a new unit would come in, um, we wouldn't we would talk some about the security environment, but mostly about how we maintain the peace that we've established in this province and in, in this area. Um, and it was – you could find areas that were isolated um, and you could move the kinetics to a very small spot and then 95 percent of the area became peaceful. Mm. Um, and that's what you were hoping to achieve. Okay. So. You, you made a comment you've been shot three times. I have. And you just kind of just let <laughs> kind that of casually, roll off, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I flinched when I heard that. I'm like – I'm. If yeah. I get a shot, like yeah, a vaccine, I'm like, ow, I, and I complain about it. I got it. shot. Yeah. Oh, it, when I'm sleeping on my right side, it's sore. Yes. That was just yes. some tiny needle. This is like a bullet. They were, uh, and again, I, so we had a price on our heads, um, and that was because we were successful. If we had just been oppressive, mm-hmm. um, no one would have thought to that we were a threat. Uh, the enemy, the insurgency would have said, well, hey, they're, they're oppressive people. Everyone hates them. We kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. The minute we came in and established a bond with the locals, it was the greatest threat to the insurgency because they had nowhere to go. They would be pushed out of provinces. They would be pushed out of villages. Um, they would be told, hey, this is not a safe place for you to be insurgent because we're partnered with the uh, the American forces. Mm-hmm. And so mm. – the risk, um, and I'll, I'll share a brief story. One of the greatest soldiers I served with was a man named Captain Brian Freeman. He was one of my deputies, um, and he was passionate. Um, he had been recalled back, airborne ranger, just a fantastic soldier, mm-hmm. um, very handsome. He was an Olympic athlete, uh, and he had made it his purpose to bring Iraqi children to the United States for life-saving surgeries. Um, and wow. was very successful at it. Everyone told him, no, it's impossible. You can't do that. Um, and beyond all of those objections, he was able to bring 10, 20, uh, I don't know what the final number was, Iraqi children and their families to the United States for a life-saving surgery. Wow. Um, and he had it paid for by sponsors in the U.S. and by hospitals and mm. the rest of it. He did all this in his spare time. Wow. <laughs> uh, because he was managing uh, one of my provinces in Iraq. Um, the regrettable part of the story is that Brian had become so high profile and of such great value to our, our cause that he was captured and, and, and eventually killed oh. uh, by the insurgency. Mm. Um, oh. Wow. But Brian was the ultimate peacemaker. Mm. Um, he mm. was one who bonded with the people of Iraq. Um, he had the purpose of doing the Lord's work, and the people of Iraq bonded to him, understanding that what he was offering was so much greater than um, what the insurgency was doing. And so, if you're just tuning in, you're listening. You're, we're here with Counterculture with Jonathan and Lisa, and we are talking with Lorenzo Valenzuela, Colonel, um, uh, long career in in uh, in the military, including um, a role as a advocating for peace in both Iraq and Afghanistan and just just blown away by what we're hearing and, and your stories and and so this like concept of the 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 hard road of the peacemaker like you like you're saying he he took this this gentleman that you referenced and his heroic life of helping these children and he paid that price mm-hmm. 
and so there's so there's two things. One, um, what can we learn from that? And two, how did you respond? Well, let's start off. How did you respond to that? And then we can get into what we learned from that. Oh, yeah. I, there's so yeah. many questions here. Yeah. You're just kind of casually. And your demeanor is so calm and gentle. <laughs> and then, But you're this force underneath. So there's, yeah. Yeah. I, we're going to let you talk. Now, it, it, uh, so when we knew Brian was at risk. Yeah. Uh, and I had asked him to come home with me in December of 2006. He wanted to get one more child across um, in January. And that's when... Um, the bad event happened. Yeah, um, it was shattering, um, but in a sense, Brian had a spiritual mission, mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't the first who have passed because of a spiritual mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible's filled with people who have um, met a demise because of their faith. Yeah, um, and he knew that. So it, it's a burden I carry with me. Right. I wish I would have had him arrested and, and brought home because he was the most beautiful man I've ever met. Yeah. Um, but the reality was he wouldn't have wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. He, he was doing the Lord's work, and it was passionate to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in, I would like to say that Brian's the exception, yeah. but he's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. when you look across the force, when you look beautiful. across— um, And that's not just the military. Right. Americans as people— love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that in the most difficult places. Mm-hmm. So you have organization, nonprofits that go yeah. out in harm's way to save children, yeah. uh, to save animals, to save people who need life-saving surgeries, to do things that you sometimes scratch your head and go, well, you understand there might be a price with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is they do understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a price they're willing to pay to go ahead and do the Lord's work. I remember this quote, and this made me think of I mean, just Brian's story, but find something you're willing to die for and live for mm. it. Mm. And that sounds like what you're saying. Like he was willing to die for it. He knew there was a price, mm-hmm. and yet he lived like one more child, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's so beautiful and so rare to find that you're willing. We, we're like, yeah, I want to be a peacemaker, but, yeah. oh, my gosh, somebody I, said something bad about me. Yeah. And so I don't know if I want to keep doing yeah. this. You might get written up by HR. <laughs> oh, I, I, right? And so these things yeah. are like, okay, what is the cost I'm willing to pay? Right. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing for each one of us as we hear these stories to like look inside of ourselves and go, well, what price am I willing to pay to be a peacemaker? And am I willing to go, how far would I go? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's humbling. It's very humbling. Yeah. It, something it sticks with me, another guests on our show just it's still a year later she said you know if you want to be a peace a bridge builder you need to be willing to be walked on mm. linda morris our friend yeah, linda yeah. said that and i just like and this is what brian the cost that he he got walked on but that's the price mm-hmm. and i think that we need to be willing to pay not everyone's going to get right lose their life necessarily but i think the willingness to mm-hmm. like what are we worth if what's worth living for if we aren't willing to die for something exactly right I have to ask you a question. Okay, go back to you got shot three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're seeing friends being captured and killed. Mm-hmm. And yet we're sitting here, Jonathan, I, I think you can test it's a very gentle um, smile on your face, just peace coming out of you. Um, what causes you not to be, go angry, get angry with this, mm-hmm. get revengeful, mm-hmm. going how dare they? I mean, because you paid it personally. You paid it with your people. What causes you to not live that way or not hold that? I, I don't see any evidence of that in you. So I, I will share an epiphany that came to me um, in my lowest moment. 
um, and I rarely share my lowest moment. But since it's just the two of us, I, I think we're safe here. Right, right. right. No judgment. <laughs> um, it's only the two of us. That's right. <laughs> and so on April 19th, uh, tomorrow will be the anniversary, we had a major attack. Um, and it was our first major attack. And we were – it was a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kids scenario where there was nothing left. Um, we were outnumbered. We were outgunned. Um, we had lost all our trucks. I was the ranking guy, so my soldiers were looking at me. Um, everyone was wounded. I had gotten shot uh, in that event. Um, and as we're sitting there waiting for the end to draw near, um, I thought to myself, and I had religious medals in every pocket. I wear a St. Michael's medal. Um, and I thought, well, this is it. Mm. I pray. I believe. I have enormous faith. And this is it. Um, and I was stunned by the absence of a miracle, um, almost, to the faith, almost to the point of questioning my faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Um, and as I sat and debated my faith, two Apache helicopters came over. They saw the smoke um, and turned things in our favor, let's say. Um, medical helicopters came right behind them um, because they saw the smoke. Uh, and the least worthy person of being rescued that day was put on a helicopter, had his wounds fixed, um, and put back in. And so as you reach that low point and as you build your faith back up, um, you make a promise not to question again because mm. uh, you just can't go back there. Uh, wow. And so I lost more after that. Um, and Brian's death was a shattering event. Um mm. I wrote lots of letters to deceased soldiers, parents, um, using the Lord's strength um, that I had built back as uh, as my foundation. Mm. And so, when you when you go through that process, um, you are very calm in in your future from that point mm. forward. Wow! So a defining moment. So, would you say that was definitely a defining moment for you and? How you see and how you live life now. Absolutely. Every, every day is a blessing. Every moment is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Everything is a gift to me. Um, mm-hmm. The opportunity to meet new people, the opportunity mm-hmm. to uh, impact others' lives um, is, just, is just a hoot. And wow. so every day for mm-hmm. me is, is, is winning the lottery. Wow. So how do you let – so you, how do you make sure that hate doesn't foster – because when you see your friends getting killed mm-hmm. – and even our culture so often makes the other as the enemy and they're bad. They're going to ruin America. They're going to ruin our lives. They're going to take all our freedoms. And mm-hmm. we get this constant messaging of those bad people. And the fear. And the fear that comes behind it. How do you find to not become a hateful person? Everything must be spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, peace discussions yeah. are founded in a, in a spiritual uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can have secular peace. I think mm. you can only – because secular peace is just a changing peace. Yeah. I mean it's just a situation that can change next week. Right. A spiritual peace where you find common ground at, even at the highest levels. Yeah. Uh, so at some point in Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia right. are going to have to sit down and whatever peace they establish will likely be a spiritual peace. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't be a secular peace because six months from now, one guy can get upset and come back and, right. and start it all right. over again. Um, and so once you achieve this spiritual peace – um, and I will tell you that, that many soldiers um, pass through this. Uh, they have difficulty 
with PTSD and some other issues, sure. um, those that find that spiritual peace um, can shed all of the other burdens that, that come along. Um, mm. They shed the, the hatred. They shed the division um, because they believe at some point I have common ground with you. Mm. Um, and, and, and I'm happy to sit down and find that ground. And boy, I'd sure like it if you were happy to sit and find that ground too. Um, and then you achieve a peace. Um, and you you grow from that. Yeah. Uh, and soldiers and folks out in the world uh, honestly grow from their experiences. Yeah. Well, Lorenzo, I think you've just described a transcendent truth, and that's something that is it's mm. it's it was very relevant in what you're in in your life in 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 Iraq, and I'm sure probably similar principles in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and it's relevant to us right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And then because we can adapt that to any. Situation Any we're situation. In, right? Those principles. Because you're sharing principles. Mm-hmm. And it's like doesn't matter. This, they're not situational. They're just inside of who we are, who mm-hmm. we become. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Is there one thing as, as we kind of close that you wish people would understand about you, about the role and about even war? You know, and the enemy that we think, you know, how do we even pray differently for right now? We got Ukraine happening. We still have unrest in Afghanistan. And these are beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And we got the people of Russia. Mm-hmm. So how do you from your perspective, how, how do we pray differently? I think it's essential that you use the word prayer mm-hmm. um, because those in uniform, those that volunteered, those that raised their hand to be a peacemaker uh, need those prayers. Uh, it's a difficult journey they have wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Um, and beyond that, again, the only true solutions are going to come through spiritual spiritual means. Mm-hmm. And so to pray for finding common ground, to pray for truth, to pray for the ability to have that dialogue um, and to be honest in all of their discussions is what's essential uh, to be successful and to have peace. Lorenzo, thank you so much for being on our show. This has been a great honor. Mm. Thank you so much. God bless you and your and the work that you're doing. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. And by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 